my name is David Vardabedian. Thanks so much for tuning in to Get Real Sobriety. Hope you enjoy this show. Tonight, we're recording uh, from the Alano Club in Santa Barbara, which is kind of cool. Um, Home. Sam and I, Samantha and I have a, a lot of history here. And and so I want to introduce Samantha. Um, we've been friends for you know over twenty two years. Um, Samantha has a master's degree in uh, counseling and psychology, a doctrine, and how do you say that word? Jurisprudence. Jurisprudence, which law. means law degree. See, that's right. it's much smarter than me. <laughs> and is registered and certified an addiction counseling educator. She has her own counseling and life coach practice, which is unityholisticlifecoach.com. Please follow her or check it out. And then um, it's right there. It was right in front of me. And is currently teaching at Santa Barbara City College in the drug and alcohol studies program. So I, tonight we were just going to talk about, we were kind of prepping for this a little bit and um you know, one of the things is that, I don't know, just to talk about me, I, yeah, I'll have 30 years sobriety and on July 8th. And, you know, I've been in relationships, um, you know, I was married for 22 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in that, in, in my marriage, I was in counseling, marriage counseling, you know, individual counseling. And I think, I don't want to say the myth is, it's like you go through the 12 steps and you're like, magically everything's okay. Well, it's not. That's just, it's truly just a beginning and help us push into the next, you know, level of what we're doing. I, I, you know, some people are against counseling or, or like, do I don't know. That's just so weird for hmm. me. Um, so tonight we want to talk about that, you know, healthy relationships and what is a healthy relationship. So, um, I don't know, you know, where to start is that, you know, after someone does the 12 steps, you know, where do you go with that, you know? Well, I mean, I think that... The and thanks sh- for being here. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks, you guys, for helping, too. Um, I think the short answer is I go inside. Right. That's the short answer. But that's not something someone newly sober wants to hear. Um, but I think we have to define what a healthy relationship is. Right. So define that. Well, again, I think a lot of this is about uh, a value system. So what I think is a healthy relationship and what you think is a healthy relationship may slightly be different. But in general, I think human beings can agree um, that there are some characteristics that are world-renowned for making a healthy relationship. Like global morals or something. I think something like that. But the first thing is to really establish your own value system. What do you want? What do you truly want? And that can open up a whole, um, you know, a, a whole sort of, I don't want to say, you know, like can of worms or anything. Or, but, but I think really what it comes down to is people not realizing, if, if they're having repeated unhappy relationships, my first thing in my practice is to ask people, are you currently in a relationship with someone that you trust and respect? Right. And what people seem to think is a healthy relationship or is a relationship in and of itself is I love them. Right. They love me. I love them. 
And it was a real shocker, you know, when I personally came into the awareness that love has very little to do with a healthy relationship. Right. And I'll say that to people and they'll kind of look at me like a deer in the headlights or they'll completely get, you know, upset with me. And I'll say, well, think about it this way. Are there people in your life that you currently love, but you can't really have them in your life? Right. I have a few of those. And then everyone raises their hand. You know what I mean? Well, do you think like, you know, so, and I always kind of bring this back to the 12 steps. When we first go through the 12 steps and let's say, when we write our fourth step and Mm -hmm. we look at our resentments, we look at our fears. And then the last one is the sexual conduct, which I really like to say, I don't say like sexual conduct, but like what's the patterns of our relationships? How has that been so, you know, destructive or dysfunctional in our using years Mm -hmm. and, and looking for patterns of behavior? Is that like a good start for someone? Yeah, I think so. And I think if you want to come from a 12-step perspective, I wasn't sure how much we could go into a 12-step right, perspective. Right, we can. But from, from, from our literature, at least from Alcoholics Anonymous literature, right. it talks about I hold every relationship up to this test. Was it selfish or not? Right. Now, if we can look at this as selfish, then we have to sort of look at, okay, what's the underlying root of selfishness? Okay. And for me... Right. 23 and a half years sober and, you know, been working the steps a long time and taking other people through it and incorporating this concept into my own practice. It's no matter what any character defect is that a human being suffers from, I could be wrong and I'm absolutely willing to be challenged on this, but I've looked at this for a long time. I'm starting to see that every single thing that we would judge as a character defect, that the underlying reason or cause is fear. Right. So if selfishness would be considered a character defect, then I would say we have to look at the fear. Now, each different selfish act is going to have a different kind of fear underneath it. But if we were to really boil down fear, it would be, I'm not going to be okay unless this happens. Right. And I think Two, I mean, looking at patterns of behavior and patterns of like character defects and shortcomings is that a lot of times we don't, we can't even look at those until they become so dysfunctional in our life. You know, it's like our alcoholism, Mm -hmm. right? Before it became like, fuck, I'm going to kill myself. I need to really make a choice or come and I need help. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing for me anyway with a character defect. And I really look at that as going to, and it's a process. And like Mm -hmm. when I first did my initial inventory, I couldn't even really look at that. You know, I was like, okay, you know, my sponsor gave me a list of the seven deadly sins, which I I don't even think I ever saw before (laughs) in my life, you know? And I was like, how does this relate, you know, to... But I was in such a desperate position. I didn't give a fuck. I was like, I'll do whatever you tell me to do, you mm-hmm. know? And so, but now, you know, as I've, I don't want to say evolved, but sure. just got more information in my life and lived hopefully 30, evolved, yeah, hopefully evolved, opinion, yeah, yeah, vibrating at a different <laughs> level, is that, you know, it just is so uncomfortable things that I used to do that I can't do now, but there's things that I still do. You know, to be completely honest, Mm -hmm. that fuck relationships up. That's right. You know? So for me, this is kind of where it often will go beyond the 12 steps, as I like to say. Um, And for people who don't want it to be true that it goes beyond the 12 steps, no, the 12 steps can solve everything. I go, okay, that's wonderful. My experience is that the 12 steps, um, 
it, it depends on, okay, do over. Okay. I, I really feel like some of the stuff that causes our character defects, certainly some of the stuff that caused our drinking, that caused us to feel the way we feel about ourselves, that caused us to look outside of ourselves to fix us or right. to give us some kind of relief, that stuff was done before we started drinking. Right. Right. Every single case, and I shit you not, every single case, and I've been doing this a long time, when I sit with a person and I go, did you start drinking because it was a great day, whatever? And lots of times, absolutely. It was just fun. It was curious, what right. have you. What leads us into addiction, right? You don't have to come from a broken home or anything else. But what leads us into self-destructive behavior of any kind is a basic problem with self-worth with how we feel about ourselves. And as far as I know, there's been no real research done, but every single baby that comes out of the womb does not really have a lot of ego problems, right? They are so, they are, they, every Pure. baby, every baby has great ego strength. Right, right. It's just like me, me, yeah, wonderful yeah. me, you know what exactly. I mean? So it's what the world does with us once we get out of the womb. And usually it's inherited Neuroses. Right. Okay. Every single time. So a lot. So you think like learned behavior? 100%, 100%. only totally 100%, right. pretty right. much at least 99%. Right. I mean, and I'm talking again, this is a blanket statement. There are some exceptions for, you know, any kind of organic brain disease, right. for Mental psychopathology, health, right. you know, there, there's some other stuff that's going on here, but, um, I'm not talking about something that is, you know, uh, chemically, biologically, right. you know, so I'm talking about learned behavior. Well, I remember my parole officer told me it was a great statement. She said, anything learned can be unlearned. That's right. That's so, right. Right. You know, that's the thing. It's, you know, and early on when, you know, I got out of prison and I was, you know, at Newhouse and I think that the, God, the guy's gone now. I forget what his name is. Ken or something. Uh, no, Kurt. Kurt pulled me aside and he goes, you know, it's 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 okay to stop calling every or addressing everyone by homes, like even the women, right? <laughs> you know, like, hey, homes, that's going on. Good, AMs and PMs, you know, because you're evolved. You're not in prison anymore. That's right. And but it, so, but it, it's like trying to assimilate back into breaking society, a habit breaking is what's habit, going on, right? and making so, a new habit and unlearning that behavior, right? Well, yes, and I like to say unlearning, but really the way the brain works is you don't really unlearn, you learn a new one. Right. So the way that the, when people are like, just don't think about it, just don't think about it, that's mm -hmm. actually not the way that the brain works. The brain can't not think about something. Don't think about elephants, stop it right, right now. What right. are you thinking about, right? The way that the brain works is in order to decrease the strength of one thought, we pick up another thought. And so, so don't think about elephants, think about mice. Right, right there, yeah. the thought of elephants has decreased only because I've introduced a new thought. Right. And so with healthy relationships, going back to that, you know, one of the most, and it's, it's, I wrote it in my book, is like one of the most brilliant statements in the, the literature from Bill Wilson said, mm -hmm. For alcoholics, not so much for like people that don't have what we, you know, this disease or whatever we want to call it. He said, you can't think your way into the right action. You need to act your way into the right thinking. So it's different than like cognitive behavioral therapy, eh, right? That might, we but might this be is what I mean is like people, you know, it's like go to a meeting when you don't want to go to a meeting. That's the action. But that's where pretty the, much the same way with a normal guy who doesn't want to go to the gym. Right. 
I do that with running now. Pretty much. Right. I'm putting on my shoes going, fuck, I don't want to do this. It's not all that different from any other right. human brain. So, okay? so but that's yeah, just so between you right, and me, right? right, right because, right. you know, we don't want to say anything against the 12 steps. But, but I know, but I mean, mm-hmm. for alcohol, so, you know, where, where you'd sit in a, a counseling session and someone tries to do, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy and that's not working for an alcoholic, but, you know, like just going, through, you know, right. But I'm just saying going through the actions and then that becomes a pattern. Then you get used to doing that and it kind of changes the neural path or I don't yeah. fucking know. And we're know? sort of headed into kind of a, a tricky territory because of recovering people that might be listening that I don't right. really want to, you know, offend or just turn down the wrong path at this right, point right, in their right. sobriety. Um because there's a huge spiritual component to what we talk right, about in the 12 right. steps and so on and so forth. Um, I think we can just sort of broaden the definition of spirituality if you want to think about cognitive behavioral therapy as a spiritual principle, which I could argue all day long, right, but right. we won't go down that road. But essentially, the reason that perhaps basic cognitive behavioral therapy won't work with an addict who's still lose, using or who wants to get sober is because there has to be the ego strength. There right. has to be that sense that my life is worth saving. Right. So what what the steps do is sort of start to clear out some of the shame, some of the guilt. It starts to um, bring this person to the place where they start to believe that their life is worth saving. Right. And coming into the therapy, we start to, in my opinion, we get sober to get down to the real work. Right. Yeah, and I tell people right. that. I'm like, I hate it's to like, say this, it's just but starting. it's no longer about alcohol. Right. It's, it's no longer about drugs. It never it never was, right? But I mean, so <laughs> right. it's not like kicking the drugs or getting off the alcohol. Is life now it's about the real stuff. Learning how to live. The man, stuff of right? why I didn't right. want to, the, the stuff of why I, I wanted to really it destroy used, myself. Exactly. Not really just didn't want to, but right. it felt that there was no, no hope for my life. It's just slow suicide. And I remember even my nephew, and I didn't even know what I was saying, you know, and he was a teenager and I took him to the methadone clinic in the morning. He goes, you know, Uncle David, why do you drink this stuff? And I go, it just makes life a little easier. Mm. <laughs> you know, it just does. There it is. And so, you know, now that I'm I'm awake, mm-hmm. right? And I have to deal with life. So when someone comes into your to a session mm-hmm. and they want to learn about healthy relationships, I mean, where do you start? Well, the first thing is I ask them, tell me about what relationship you're in that you feel is unhealthy, right? right? We're talking about, yeah. So whether, I mean, there's lots of different examples here, but I think one of uh, the big things that's, you know, in the last 25 years has has become slaw, like Sex Love Addicts Anonymous is, oh, right. you know, they get clean and sober and then they find that the real addiction is... or Is you know, that different than like sex addicts? Well, that, that, the is literature it? is slightly different. Okay. Okay, whereas... I didn't know about it. Yeah, <laughs> so there's SAA and right. SLAA. And I don't want to get too into that because I'm not really an expert on it. But right. um, it, one of the differences, and please, if there's anyone listening... Uh, just if I say anything wrong, write it down to ignorance right. as and, opposed and to email arrogance. us. Too. Yeah, right. please. Um, but one of the examples that I have purely from clients that are in both programs is um, SAA, Sex Addicts That's Anonymous, right. focuses a lot around pornography, a lot okay. around uh, the sex acts and what have you there. Whereas Sex Love Addicts Anonymous, that 
is a component as well, but so is fantasizing. So is falling in love, um, the beginnings of what would feel like falling in love, which are very similar to uh, taking heroin, you know right, what I mean? Right. As a, very similar to a, a cocaine, very similar to what the body does when it falls in love and what the body does on certain drugs and alcohol. But um, So I would ask them what's what's going on in their relationship. And, you know, without going into the specifics of, of different things, although we can, I can give some examples, but I can sort of cut to the chase and, and say that in every case, it's a lack of a relationship with oneself. And that's not really what people want to hear. What people want to hear is, you know, I want to fall in love. I want to have a partner. I want to get married. I want to have children. I want to do the whole thing, the whole romantic thing that we have in this Western culture, too. Um, The whole Jerry Maguire, you complete me thing, you know, which has done more damage to people. Which is crazy, right? right? It's one more aspect. It's one more way that we are somehow consciously or unconsciously taught to go outside of ourselves to find completion. Right. And, and that's the whole thing with addiction. I mean, only in, in, totally, right, in, only totally. Exactly. <laughs> Keep saying that to me, please. It's a great one. You know, it's it's so because I look at like there the seven spiritual laws of success, mm-hmm. the law of least effort. He talks about you know it's so programmed acceptance. You know, I have to accept what's happening. And then the blame, the second part is the blame. I have to take responsibility and stop blaming you for my problem because everything was outside of me Mm -hmm. before. It was my mom, it was my dad, it was a parole officer, it was my girlfriend, it was the world, it was I was half Armenian. It was a Chevy, I should have driven a Ford and I wouldn't have gotten the DUI. But no, it's I'm half Armenian, half Irish, you know, no one will ever like me. And and so it's out there. But then when you know, and I really resonated with that law in the seven spiritual laws of success is because it was like it's about a little bit of emotional, you know, maturity yes. and, and spiritual maturity and yes. spiritual, you know, sobriety. Is that I really have to look at my part and what I want, you know, not even my part, but like taking responsibility for how I feel and how I want to feel. And I think what people don't realize is, you know, you can sort of term it in a little more of a palatable, a little more tasty thing when you say, "Look, taking responsibility." for the quality of my life is actually incredibly empowering. Totally, right. Okay? Totally in what? Only totally. Only totally. That's Byron Katie. I can't, okay, I stole that. Right. But, no, I love her. But what we, we sort of forget that while it, it there is, remember, everything has a cost-benefit analysis. Right. Like everything has a payoff and everything has a detriment, right? So when I'm blaming everybody else, there's a certain way that I'm allowed to live my life, mm-hmm. right? If you, It's always your fault, I get to live a certain way. I don't necessarily like to use the term victim mentality, but there is a payoff to having and living in a victim mentality. What would the payoff be? Well, possibly I don't really have to grow up. I don't really have to show up. The downfall is that I'm always a slave. Mm -hmm. I'm always your bitch, so to speak. I'm always at the mercy of someone else. Whenever I talk about to groups or I share, you know, or whatever, I'm really big on the difference between relief and freedom. Right. And relief is, you know, relief is that feeling of, for example, all the button pushers. You know what I mean? Those sons of bitches that push our buttons. Relief would be that I would commit to cutting off all the button pushers' fingers. Right. I mean, it's a job, but I'll do it. You know what I mean? Right. So that's that's, that's relief. Freedom is removing my buttons. Exactly. 
Freedom is the ability to remove the buttons where people don't have that power over me. Next question. Oh my God, Sam sounds great. How do I do it? Great question. Right. Make a session with me or right. in general, what I would say is we have to really start looking at what am I afraid of in my life? Mm. What causes me to give my power away? Right. What if, as Marianne Williamson said, or, or, um, uh, Nelson Mandela, whoever authored it, but what if my greatest fear is my greatness? What if, right. my, you know, there's a big part of that is if I own my life, if I truly take responsibility for the content, for the quality of my life, there will be no one else to blame if someone goes, something goes wrong per se, but it's mine. Yeah. It's mine. Right. And it's, it's, I am not at the mercy of anyone else anymore. And it's huge. And this is difficult. I'm not saying to get on board with the fact that you've been raped or molested or whatever. That's right, not right. really, that's for a longer conversation, but there's an ability to take back my power exactly. when I start to see that the most tragic things that have ever happened to me in my life, your choice on how you want to spin this is the most tragic thing that's ever happened to me or that it's my fucking gold. Right. Yeah. That with this, I absolutely have been given the power to change lives. Right. And I, and you know, I remember working in the jail, you know, I'd work with a lot of women and like, I'm looking at, you know, these resentments, what's, I was raped. What's my fucking part in that? Yeah. And I'm like, you, you know, if we look at what they categorize, was I selfish, inconsiderate, self-seeking, or afraid? Fear comes up. But the point I'm trying to make is like, there's no excuse for that. That wasn't your fault. It's fucked up what happened. The guy should be executed or whatever. Totally. But if now this keeps, no, but yeah, if this keeps you in the spoon mm -hmm. or if this keeps you drunk, that's not going to help. It's almost like being raped over and right. over and over. Exactly. Every time I go back to the spoon or every time I go back to another relationship or every time I go back to the food or back to the gym or whatever is becoming neurotic. And when I use the term neurotic, I mean out of balance. Right. If I am, if the rape happened 10 years ago, but I'm still like, I am slamming dope because I was raped. Right. So we, we all have our issues, right? My issue was I was adopted, right? Yeah. So it's, you can play that card until you realize that that's over. Yeah, exactly. Now It's what? not happening right it's now. It's not happening right. right now. It's not to say get over it. We're right. not saying that. I can't overemphasize that enough. What I'm saying is, is then live or die. Right. It, it ultimately comes to that is if there is something in my life that is preventing me from these roots growing deeper and mm -hmm. deeper, and that's a spiritual growth right. and a mental, emotional, spiritual, psychological growth. If I'm not growing, if any plant's not growing, it's dying. Well, it's a choice. I mean, we have... Some, and, right. It's a choice on how to narrate my right. life at this point. That's but, right. But, you know, it's, when, you know, anytime I'm counseling anyone or anyone, you know, or well, I, I go back to the jail, is that I'm like, dude, you're back in jail... And now you can take this and do whatever the fuck you want with it. You can do nothing and sit here and play pinochle and dominoes and go out and start using it again. That's fine. But this is the universe or God or whoever the fuck you want to call it saying, what do you want? Here's one more chance for you. Would you like to cooperate? Do What do you want to do? That's right. 
you know? It, it requires the cooperation. And that's right. a big part of, like, with healthy relationships, if um, sort of what, you're, what, what Maya was talking about is why do people stay in unhealthy relationships? What is that about? And right. again, it comes back down to, uh, you know, first of all, a value system. And I'm, again, oversimplifying because I don't have this, uh, any specific issue in front of me. Right. But if, if I am staying in an unhealthy relationship, there are a multitude of reasons why that is. But ultimately, it has to do with how I feel about myself. Right. Learning how to love oneself is something that when I tell people that that is the answer for your life, they're just like, no, give me another answer. <laughs> exactly. Anything else but that. Right. And it's just like, wow. It's sort of like you meditate and your life is going to change. What else you got? Right. You know, you, you go, exactly. look, this is what's been going on for 40,000 years. Do you want to try that? What else you got? Yeah, that's boring. At some point you go, that's all I got. What I right. got is what works. Well, and so, you it's know. It's going to require your cooperation here. Maya told me, you know, and again, it's, it's, public uh like information but we i went through a you know a divorce with her mom and her mom's a wonderful human being and that we just got to a point where it wasn't working anymore but maya said to me you know the the year that it happened was one of the worst years of my life and i'm like for for all of us and i get it man that fucking pain you know and she goes well i guess everything happens for a reason and i go well I don't know, you know, I mean, I don't know about the cosmic plan of things. I don't think, you know, kids are getting gassed in Syria for a reason, for their karmic, you know, whatever, or women are getting clitorectomies in Africa because of that. Things happen for a reason. I think things happen, and it's what we do with it, you know, and so that's what, you know, and she mm -hmm. kind of agreed with this. I go, look, you can take that pain, and there's other kids in your high school or other kids that you know that That's are right. going through a divorce and be supportive to them and show them how you walk through this fucking pain. You know, it's so hard. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it was Byron Katie or someone that says, we don't like pain. Mm -hmm. So as an addict or an alcoholic, I try to numb that pain. Mm -hmm. But she says, it's the greatest thing. Run to the fucking pain. Mm -hmm. Right and 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 that's where you're going to have the most growth. Not when everything's unicorns and and rainbows. It's when when we get to those places. I I think that there is a big, especially in the way that you know you and I have chosen to live our lives and some of the philosophies that we've adopted, where you know pain is the great motivator right. and pain is the touchstone to all spiritual growth and so on and so forth. Over the last few years, I also want to just add. Um, be you alcoholic or not, that I'm also starting to realize that joy can be an amazing thing um, for spiritual growth. But so we talk don't, about that. Well, we don't pay attention as much to right, it. Right. And so this is sort of where it ties into making your life sacred is if if I'm only, I just want to make sure that everybody knows that I used to think that pain was the only way to spiritual growth and I'm changing my mind. Right. That's all. Um, because I'm starting to see not only in my own life, but in my clients' lives that when they pay attention to the joy, there's also, again, depends on your perspective right. and how you want to spin it and what practice you're incorporating into your life to make the narrative also true. But that joy, if we pay attention, and if we honor the joy, 
we take a minute to talk about the joy at the water cooler right. as often as we take some time to talk about the shit that's going on. Right. You will be amazed. Here's one thing that's true. Whether you want to call it the law of attraction or just the law of science, which is whatever you tend to will grow. Right. Hands down, this is not, you know, woo-woo, touchy-feely, blow sunshine up your skirt, feel good bullshit. This is a fact that what you bring your attention to, that the garden that you spend the most time in will thrive. Right. Period. End of story. That goes for the thoughts. And I read, I was, I read this Stoic book the, this yeah. morning. Like, uh, and what they, they, what was it about? It was about brick by brick uh, this morning. It was like, don't look at the big picture even. said, so focus on like what Like you could. Right. Focus yeah. on what you're doing and yeah. do it really well. And who gives a fuck what happens? I mean, in all the great, I mean, there are no new ancient truths. It's like, you know, it's like the the shit that even we're talking about. I mean, the the 12 steps are old. They're, they're, they're for babies. You know what I mean? In a lot of ways, it's just spiritual kindergarten in a lot of ways. But, you know, whether it's Zen or whether it's, you know, um, uh, Shinto or whatever, you can go or the way, Bible or whatever, you know. or, or even way beyond that. Right. You know what I mean? It, it, what we're talking about here is stuff that is old. I mean, Socrates was saying, you know, 3000 years ago, I'm not sure. I don't think I can prove it. But I think everything's connected. And the motherfucker was right. You know what I mean? Like he had no idea. Right, right. Yeah. Where does that come from? He's out there. He's just looking at everything. And he's just like, I think, I think everything is connected. I think there's a fundamental truth of unity. He couldn't prove that. And then right. quantum physics comes along just like, yep. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know? it's true. Right. Well, the other thing is that, you know, going back to the relationship thing. God, I mean, when you said, you know, there's people that you love. Mm. You know, because you say, like, yes. when someone said, what do you want? I want love. I want connection. I want that deep, like, you know, it's like, okay. But there are people that I truly love that I have to put limits to. Right. You know, family members. Or right. Oh, right? Yeah, that's yeah. usually how they are. Right. And this is the thing is, you know, I want to say it again, and I'll say it over again, and I think it's even on my website. I mean, right. it, it's a big deal is that relationships, healthy relationships of any kind, of any kind require two things only two things must have two things trust and respect right. i don't have to love the guy at the bank but to have a relationship with the guy at the bank there has to be some mutual trust mm. and some mutual respect right. at the 711 at mcdonald's and to the degree that that is trustful and respectful creates a level of intimacy right okay so if I don't trust and respect you, and I've had people ask me many times, can I trust them and not respect them? And I say, you tell me. Can trust be restored? Yes, if it's conditional. Right. So, when you know, I, so I mean. So let's go down. Here's a very simplistic view of it. When trust has been breached, okay, well, for this, just for this argument, I'll say a couple. Yeah. Um, I'll say, let's say the woman has breached the trust. They come into my office and I first thing I ask them is, do you want to stay together? I tell them as a couples counselor, I do not, my goal is to not keep you together. My goal is to not have you break up. My goal is to tell you the truth. Right. 
that's all I do here is I'll tell you the truth. The truth is I see it. So, you know, take that for whatever it's worth. But the, I, the first thing I have to say is you guys have to decide whether you truly want to stay together. If you do, I'll give you the treatment plan. Does one person say, well, that's why we're fucking here? Maybe in, in sometimes that rudely, sometimes right. not, you know, whatever. I well, that's why it. we're here, Samantha, right? The, and I'll, but I'll say, let me just make sure. Right. And I'll say it again. Because lots of times, the person that's saying that, I'll look at the other person, and the other person will be kind of look, looking to the side like, I don't mm, want to. You know? And so I'll say, there's two treatment plans, sorry. Right. Right. The first thing I have to decide, since you guys tell me what the goal is, the goal is for us to stay together. Okay? Okay. Here we go. In order for us to build trust, one person must give consistent behavior over a long period of time. The person that has breached must now give consistent behavior over a long period of time. Asterisk next to long conditions like I get to look in your phone, I get to, and you're like, without no. a doubt. Oh, okay. 100%. You must give consistent behavior over a long right. period of time. Why would you not want them to? Right. I'm always baffled that I, I you right, know, right. I don't have that relationship with people. I'm right. like, here's my phone. Yeah. Okay. So, First thing, long period of time, consistent behavior. And the, the person who didn't breach looks all like self-righteous, goes, oh, good, great, great. Yeah, yeah. Now I turn to that person. I go, and you, you must risk. Every day, you must risk without bringing up the past. Yeah. Are you ready? And they're both just like, oh, no. I said, both are incredibly difficult jobs. Yeah. Um, but this is sort of the rule is if you guys want to get back together, you want to build the trust. The well, you can't bring that up. You cheated on me. We're going through this. I'm the good guy here. Right. You're the, so that's done. You can't do that anymore. Nope. Right? Right. One day at a time, right. one breath at a time, right. whatever. Right. Um, it, 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 it's simply, it's, it's not up to me. It's, this is what is required to build trust. Yeah. So I keep telling them there's no judgment if you do that. It's just that's not the way to build trust. Based on the goal that you've given me, this is the medicine. Right. So what has to happen is the person, because the only way that the person can build back trust is to be given the opportunity to screw them over again right. and not. Right. And, and if there's a reason that, you know, I get it. I mean, again, I've been in long-term relationships. Mm -hmm. I've been in short-term relationships. And you know, as human beings, we want companionship, you know, and, and, you know. But this is the thing that I think is so important. And I didn't mean to interrupt no, you. No, no, go. People who have not done the work on themselves. Right. People who are not somewhat content with who they are will repeatedly get into relationships that fail. Right. When you want to, you know, if I say, I want her to fix me, that's like, okay, you should just stop right there. Stop right there. Right? But if two people have done a lot of work, and no one's perfect, obviously, we're human beings. I don't even and, know what that means, right, but exactly. yeah. When two people are healthy and they come together, and it's not like you complete me or I complete you or you're my better half. or you, I mean, you know, I get it. They're all good um, bumper stickers, mm -hmm. but like you live together individually and together yeah you know? i say there's three entities in a relationship you me and us right all three need individual tending to right 
And uh, again, these are just my opinions based on my education and my own personal experience is when a relationship is born out of need, it's already set for a rough go. Right. Right. A relationship should be like icing on the cake. It's not a need. It's a want. Yeah. It's a want. And, and I know that when... You know, again, I'm the only person I can refer to is me. I mean, I've, I've worked with a lot of people, but, you know, when I, when it's coming to an end and it's painful and, mm -hmm. and I'm not, you know, the one like getting out of it, you mm -hmm. know, and I don't want to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I talk about my higher self and my lower self. Well, I can dive into my fucking lower self and get ghetto really. And it's awful. I mean, especially being, you know, working a spiritual program and going to that level. But what I, the awareness that I come out of it is like, the only reason I'm doing this because I want you to fucking hurt as bad as I hurt. Sure. Only reason, you sure. know? And, and it doesn't work. <laughs> I've met very few human beings thus far in my life that are really mature enough to right. have healthy relationships. Right. Um, but the people that are, and I'm not saying that the relationship doesn't take a turn in its dynamics. For example, after 50 years together, there is a, a a, a situ there, there is a dynamic that plays off that when that person loses their partner, it is like losing half of themselves. Oh, right. I'm not saying that that is unhealthy. Yeah. I'm saying that that would be normal. Yeah. Okay. So when people talk about, you know, enmeshment and this and that, I go, well, I'm not really sure how you think a relationship should look. I mean, a sexual relationship by its very nature is that your body is in my body. Right. So we are from a generation that sort of looks at that quite tritely, okay? And I'm not like, this isn't, uh, you know, I'm like the most pagan, crazy, we're, we're weird person there is. Right. But I think that on a spiritual level, and again, this is a lot of training, you know, I'm Jungian trained, so right. everything is very deeply symbolic. But to have one's body inside another one's body, the other body wrapped around the other body, it's like, you don't really get more enmeshed. Right. It is pretty intense and we i think in our generation and the generations following us have sort of learned to treat sexual intercourse and sort of this level of intimacy with a certain amount of triteness and sport right. and, and discounting it right and i think that you know it, it's unfortunate because i think that we're doing our psyche a great disservice when we don't treat things of this importance right. with a, a, a sense of sacred. And go and when once you go there, I mean, it changes the whole dynamic. Right? Whether you want to admit it or it's not. not. It's you going know? to no matter what. I used what. to say, have a vagina, get attached. Right. <laughs> I don't say that anymore because I've sat with so many men right. who once they're in touch with their true manness, right. not just the, you know, the fraternity, the gang, right. the armed services, the blue collar dad, the white collar dad, who's just like, you know, fuck, fight, drink and kill kind right. of thing. When you really are sitting with a man who truly wants to evolve, he is just, he is just as um, capable and liable and vulnerable to the intensity of sexual, you oh. know, interaction. And 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 the results of that as any woman I've ever right. met, even more so than some. And 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 having a healthy relationship 
makes for healthy everything. You know, I mean, healthy to, sex, healthy everything. You know, right. It trickles down. Right. Yeah. It, healthy job, healthy everything. Right. Um, I mean, I sat with a, one of my clients right now who's going through some stuff. I don't know where we're at with time, right. but. Um, he is really, he's been sort of abstinent from any sexual intercourse with a person, with a human, right. with, a, with an, sorry, right. aside from masturbation is what I'm trying to say. Sorry. Not For seven years. Kind of yeah. He's 15 years sober. Great wow. guy. Um, was raised by some really tough guys. Um, um, started about eight years ago to do sweat lodge, started to do some men's groups, started to really get in touch with uh, the tears, the angst, the right. grieving. Um, and he's really quite afraid to, to date. And what we were able to tie it all back into, believe it or not, which is really strange, was at this point in his life was his job. And just out of the blue, just sort of intuitively, I said, you know, how do you feel about your job right now? And what he really wants to do is he wants to go back, uh, either get his nursing degree or get a psychology degree. So the job that he's doing now is... He just says in one word, toxic. Okay. But the job pays really well. Right. Okay. And I said, you know, in my opinion, the way that you feel about yourself at your job is directly related to your level of confidence with asking a woman out. And it was just like, wow. I said, how do they treat you at work? And he goes, they strangle me. They, you know, they, the criticism is ridiculous. It's very toxic, you know? Wow. And I said, the, the way that you feel about it, let's not joke. I mean, let's not set this aside either. He's, he said, how could my work tie into my ability to ask a woman? I said, your work is tied into your masculinity. Right. Your work is tied into your, you know, your competency. It dovetails into everything. Hmm. That's so bizarre because I think about when I, you know, going, I've referenced this a couple of times, working at the jail. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm coming from a therapeutic model and they're coming from a punitive model. Mm -hmm. You know, oil and fucking water, right? And so I always had, well, I had other weird uh, low self-esteem because I'm an ex-con and Mm -hmm. I think they think anything that goes wrong is my fault anyway, right? But it's such a, you know, people would go, fuck. Vardo, you're doing amazing work at the jail. You're like an angel. You're like the saint. And I'm like, Mm. but then I'd come home and just be a fucking asshole. It was such a toxic place to work. Mm. I mean, one is because there's such, you know, I mean, it was the beginning of people trying to turn it around, even if they were. But God, it was such such a weird dynamic to work in. And I would carry some of that stuff. And a lot of the counselors that worked for under me, couldn't stay that long. I mean, mm-hmm. they couldn't work in that environment more than a couple of years. Uh, and then, you know, correctional officers, you know, would say, yeah, you know, another 20 till I'm vested. I'm like, dude, if I did another 20, I'd like, that would be the end of it. But I think point being is like, you know, kind of re- trying to relate it to this man's story is that I was taking some of that toxicity home mm-hmm. and, you know, kicking the dog and beating, not mm-hmm. literally, but what they say. And, and so I had to look at that and I had to go. Mm-hmm. No matter how much good work, and, and I'm so proud of that program. It's one of the Absolutely. greatest things that I did in my life Absolutely. is that, you know, creating the STP program at the county jail. But 
really having to recognize at some point is like, this is too toxic. I need to leave because it's affecting my relationships. That's you it. Know? What, and, and not to go down this road, but if you were my client, I would say, you know, what were some of the effects, the toxic effects on you? Whether it was the, the guys and what they said or how you were being treated. I mean, here you're showered with acolytes, right? right? But something else is gnawing. Right. And so that's the kind of stuff that sort of well, you know, it's the constant like you know the recidivism and you know and, and so there was stuff involved for you and and my my take on that would be like your responsibility in these guys getting sober right, and not right. and not re reoffending and me taking that there on you go. personally yeah there you go well wow I learned a lot good I think I'm healthier now I do. <laughs> I'm a healthier relationship. Um, <laughs> But what, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for you know, having Samantha me. Samantha Mattern, one of the greatest human beings that I know. But fuck, bucks. if you want to have the greatest counselor in the world, the therapist, you know, I don't even know how to like That's address fine. it. Counselor's fine, life coach um, fine. She's the one. Um, I have three questions okay. that I'm going to ask before we end this. So what's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say spirituality? Not in a paragraph, just... Practice. Practice, good. Um, if you could get anything today, what would that be? Probably, I would like to be rid of my student loans. That's the first thing that comes up. <laughs> I love that. If you could give anything today, what would that be? What do you need? Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I love you. Love you too. And uh, all right, that's it. I'd like to thank all the people that are involved in making this happen. Gerald Jones for producing and engineering this podcast. He's absolutely brilliant. Follow him on Instagram at Sonia HTML. His music is amazing. Maya Grace for her hair and makeup. I know what you're saying. This is a podcast. Why do you have hair and makeup? We just want to look awesome for each other. See you next time. Hold up. 